Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Tonight's story, The Adventure of the Sinister Crate of Cabbages. Here we are, ready for our usual weekly tete-a-tete with our favorite storyteller, Dr. Watson. Our genial medical sits in his well-worn armchair with two telegrams spread out on his knees. One only seems worn, and the other is fresh and new. Uh, not bad news, I hope, Dr. Watson. Well, no, 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 Mr. Harris. Just a pair of cryptic communications from Sherlock Holmes. That one arrived today while I was enjoying a late breakfast. Oh, uh, what's it say, Doctor? No, wait, wait, I find my glasses. Here we are. Uh, why not tell the radio public about your aversion to the Oleracea Capitata? Regards, Holmes. Uh, Olera, whatever you said. Uh, what's that, Doc? Cabbage, Mr. Harris. Plain garden variety cabbage. Oh, I know plenty of people who can't cope with boiled cabbage, Dr. Watson, but why Sherlock Holmes should suggest you give us a treatise on your particular weakness? Well, I my don't... aversion to cabbage, Mr. Harris, has nothing to do with my digestion, which is excellent. Oh? Oh, no, indeed. It's concerned with a crate of garden produce with which I came in rather intimate contact after a personal tussle with Professor Moriarty. You had a hand-to-hand battle with Professor Moriarty. Oh, I did indeed. As a matter of fact, the case is one in which I acquitted myself with a certain degree of distinction. Good for you. Why not tell us about it? I think I shall, after you tell our listeners how they can acquit themselves with distinction, as far as personal appearance goes, I mean. Right. If you want to put your best foot forward, it... You want to look neat, self-confident, and... and uh... Ship-sheep is the word, Mr. Harris. Yes, why, naturally, you'd be interested in Clippercraft clothes. When it comes to a man's clothes, you want to get a real run for your money. And you're entitled to it. You're entitled to clothes that are honestly made, fairly priced. Well, these days, with increased costs of materials and labor, the best way to make sure of getting full value for your dollar is to deal with people who make a business of giving you more for your money. That's the fine store in your community that sells Clippercraft clothes. Teamwork does it. 1036 of the nation's finest stores from coast to coast concentrate their buying power in the in the unique Clippercraft plan. This gives a steady year-round operation, reduces manufacturing and distribution costs, gives you truly amazing values. That's why fine Clippercraft suits are only 40 and 45 dollars. Superb tropical suits only 33.75 to 40 dollars. And sport jackets only twenty six fifty. These days, the Clippercraft plan really goes to work for you, and you can prove it by comparing Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Doctor Watson, how about that struggle with Professor Moriarty that developed into such a dislike for cabbage? Mm, yes, it was uh, shortly after my marriage. Mary and I were seated at breakfast one fine spring morning when the maid brought in a telegram. This one here, to be exact. It reads, uh, Have you a couple of days to spare? Have just been wired for from west of England in connection with Upper Tottingham Mystery. If convenient, beat me Paddington at 11.15. 
If inconvenient, come all the same, Holmes. <laughs> what did your wife say to the summons, Doctor? Oh, she urged me to go, as usual. I suspect she was even more interested in Holmes' cases than I was. Consequently, in no time at all, she had me hustled into a cab with a hurriedly packed valise, and away I rattled to Paddington Station. I suppose you arrived long before Mr. Holmes. <laughs> no, on the contrary. I found him pacing up and down the platform, his tall, gaunt figure made even gaunter and taller by his long traveling cloak and close-fitting cloth cap. As it turned out, the train was not too crowded, and by dint of giving the porter a scandalously large tip, Holmes managed to obtain us a first-class carriage to ourselves. Hmm, the autocrat, as usual. <laughs> Quite. He acknowledged my presence with a snort and surrounded himself with an immense litter of newspapers and periodicals. Among these, he rummaged and read until we had passed Reading. Then he suddenly rolled them into a gigantic ball and heaved them up onto the rack. <laughs> the London press has almost completely overlooked the case, as usual. Have you read anything about it, Watson? Well, my dear Holmes, I'm a busy man. I haven't seen a newspaper for days. The whole affair is one of those simple outbursts of antisocial behavior which are so extremely difficult to get to the bottom of. That sounds a little paradoxical. Yes. The local banker, who up until the age of 63 has led an exemplary life, elopes with his wife's hairdresser and most of the bank's funds. The vicar of St. James's, Tottingham's most conservative church, kicks over the traces and joins a band of gypsies. The president of the Ladies' Temperance League delivers a speech on the joys of Bacchus on the village green. And the head of Miss Mellish's select seminary has taken to moonlight bathing in her shift. Good Lord. Yes. How would you go about explaining such an epidemic of unconventionality? Well, that sounds like a pack of horses that's gotten into a patch of local weed. That explanation is not as fantastic as it sounds, my dear Watson. Holmes, you're not serious. When the mayor of Upper Tottingham called for help from Scotland Yard, they were inclined to poo-poo the whole affair. Until I suggested that Inspector Lestrade send down one of his bright young men to have a look around. I suggested they search for a hoard of a certain rare and little-known oriental drug which has the curious habit of taking away the willpower of anyone who takes or is given a dose of it. Sounds like one of the hypnotics. It is, Watson. In the hands of a reputable doctor, it can do much to relieve hysteria and depression. If administered by a scoundrel, it's capable of doing great harm. Oh, yes, but who would want to? My dear Watson, there are unfortunately a great many people with warped minds who delight in instigating mischief, or worse. Well, to make a long story short, young Balcom, the man Scotland Yard sent out to investigate, Mm -hmm. Sent word yesterday in code that he'd found something suspicious. Not only has he discovered a cache of the stuff, but he believes it's now being shipped to some laboratory in London. In other words, Upper Tottingham's just the proving grounds for a much larger and more sinister project. Oh, so you decided to come and investigate yourself, Exactly. Eh? But uh, better get your coat on, Watson. The next stop's ours. Just a small way station. Upper oh. Tottingham itself's half a mile away. Hello, what's up? Oh, oh. All right, Watson. There's a fine way to stop a train. Nearly broke the bottle of my own form I carry in my hip pocket. No wonder you smell so antiseptic these days, Watson. Well, the practicing doctor never knows when he's going to need his iota form. I, I came away in such a hurry, I forgot to leave it behind. Is there a doctor? Is there a doctor on the train? There's someone running back along the tracks. There's been an accident. I suspected as much. I say there, my good man, I'm a doctor. Thank God for that. A man's been hurt. Run over. He's under the engine. But I, I'll be right along. Oh, confound these doors, the way they locked up these compartments blasted. I, I can't get out. I've got to crawl through the window. Now calm yourself, Watson. You forget I can manage any lock. All I have to do is use this little tool and open sesame. Uh, after you, my dear Watson. 
you, I say. I'm a doctor. Oh, thank the Lord you've come. Not that there's anything you can do for the poor chap, I'm afraid. Well, I'll take a look anyway. I couldn't stop the train. Whistle, I didn't. Shoved on my brakes the first thing I saw him lying there across the tracks. Why did he have to go and pick my train if he wanted to commit suicide? Then you, I take it, are the engineer. That I am, sir. Tim Gregory, that's me. Been driving this here train for 27 years. First time I ever had an accident like this. If a man wants to commit suicide, why don't he go and drown himself or take poison or something neat and tidy? Why throw himself under a body's train? I blew me whistle. You heard me. You all heard me. Yes, yes, yes. It wasn't your fault. Uh, there he lay across the tracks. He had plenty of time to get out of the way. He was lying on the tracks? What makes you think he wasn't dead already? His arm. When I whistled, he moved his arm. Moved his arm? Yes, I think I'll just take a look at that body myself. And what good will that do? My good man, I happen to be Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, the detective? Well, why didn't you say so before? Here, you clear the way, clear the way. Sherlock Holmes wants to take a look at the body. Oh, no, Watson, Watson. Sherlock Holmes. Here he is, sir. Good chap. Well, Watson, what's the verdict? Dead right enough. Not too badly mangled, however. Here, have a look, Holmes. What's the matter? Why do you look like that? Did you know the man? Maybe then you can tell us why he committed suicide. This isn't suicide. It's murder. Murder? But that's ridiculous, Holmes. There are no wounds except those made by the train. Yet he was unconscious when the train ran over him. He must have been. You you mean drugged? But there's no smell of chloroform, no sign of drugs. The pupils of his eyes are neither dilated nor contracted. Maybe if you look in his pockets, you'll find a clue. I doubt it. Here's his wallet. No identification papers. No, there wouldn't be. But there's quite a bit of money... And his watch is here in his pocket. At any rate, it wasn't robbery. What makes you so sure it wasn't suicide, Mr. Holmes? His glasses. But he isn't wearing glasses. Exactly. Young Balcom always wore glasses. Couldn't walk two feet without them. Balcom? You mean this is young Balcom? <clears throat> the land agent who was going to show us the property we were interested in. Um, yes, Watson. Good Lord. Yeah, but look here, Mr. Holmes. Even if he wore glasses, they could hardly be on him now. Or they'd have been knocked off and crushed like it's not. And the fragments of glass would be scattered about. There is no broken glass and no rims. Mr. Balcom always wore gold-rimmed glasses. Watson, you'll go ahead to the station. It's only two or three hundred yards up the track. Right, Tell the station master to send a stretcher. I'll be along in a minute. Wait for me in the waiting room. Deserted little station... Looks as if a good wind would blow it over. I say, station master. Hey, there, I say, station master. Probably got on down to have a look at the accident. Hello. This platform is crowded with crates. Crates of cabbages. From the looks of it, Upper Tottingham could be the cabbage-producing centre of the world. Phew, I feel a bit dizzy. Probably too much sun. All that blood. That's stupid of me. Doctors should be used to blood. I'd better go into the waiting room and sit down for a bit. Door's open. Looks cool in there. Hmm. Deserted as the tomb. Smells musty in here. Everyone's gone down to enjoy the accident. What a rotten way to spend a beautiful day. Sit down, Watson, old boy. Stop thinking about it. Over there on the bench. Hello. Steps on something. Pieces of glass. Broken glass. 
Wait a bit. Let's have a look at it. Yes, by Jove, broken lens. Broken spectacle lens. There must be more somewhere. Yes, yes, over by that door. Doors lead into an inner room of some sort. Probably baggage room. Let's have a look, Watson, my lad. Yes, baggage room, right enough. More crates of cabbages. Let's see. Yes, by thunder, more bits of glass. Quite a lot, and something else. Bits of twisted wire. Good Lord, yes, it's... It's the rims of young Bartram's glasses. The gold rims. This is where he lost them. Broken. Broken to bits. Quite right, my dear Dr. Watson. Who are you? Around here, I'm known as old Pennyfield, the station agent. But if you take so close a look, I think you will recognize an old acquaintance. Good Lord! Professor Moriarty, what in blazes are you doing here? Seeing that the cabbages from a certain local farm reach their proper market in London. They are very valuable cabbages, my dear Watson. Uh, It's good of you to take an interest in them. But you don't keep the station very tidy, all this broken glass lying about. Some message. Yes, I thought you might notice that. I was just coming back to attend to it. One cannot be in two places at once, you know. As it was, your young friend from Scotland Yard nearly missed his train. So you hit him over the head in here and dragged his body out and laid it on the track. It was eh? only a tap. He was just coming to when the train arrived. What you would call a close squeak game. Well, you, you murderer! Why did you kill him? He was becoming too interested in my dear little cabbages. I don't like people who come in here and poke around my cabbages. Well, I'll tell them about the cabbages. I'll tell them who killed Balcom. I'll tell them you're the notorious Professor Moriarty. Oh, no, you won't, my dear Watson. Oh, I wouldn't try to kill me if I were you, Moriarty. I'll shout the house down. There's quite a crowd gathered. They'll hear me down by the train. You wouldn't have time to dispose of the body before they came pouring in here. Led by my friend Sherlock Holmes, Don't alarm yourself, my dear Dr. Watson. I have no intention of killing you. Oh, no, I'm not that stupid. Oh, well, now you're showing some sense. No. I shall reserve you for another purpose. You shall be my prize guinea pig. What? You may have heard of my little experiments down here. The banker who eloped, the minister who became a gypsy. They served as the first examples of my new process. What's that? I have perfected a new drug. It can remove a man's willpower. It makes his conscience, his sense of right or wrong, completely inoperative. I shall take you to my laboratory in London, where I shall remove your willpower. Yes, I have come far in my study of the human brain. I can remove your willpower as easily as I can remove your tonsils. Now, look here, you scoundrel! you perturbed. I shall allow you to retain your own personality. In fact, I can promise you that you will be back among your friends inside of, shall we say, five days. The only difference will be that you will have no scruples about reporting everything to me, particularly the activities and investigations of our mutual friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I won't do it, and you can't make me. You have very little choice. Oh? Well, I'll I'll yell the roof off. (laughs) You've missed the chance for that, I'm afraid. Yes. Yes, I was waiting for the 410 train to pass through. Here she comes. Yell your head off. (laughs) How convenient. One of my cabbage crates was still open. How neatly the good doctor fits inside. Ah, so cozy. Looks quite comfortable. 
Now a few cabbages to cover him up so he won't catch cold. <laughs> you want fine quality in your clothes. Indeed, you owe it to yourself, and what's more, it can be yours without paying a premium for it. Because we concentrate on giving you outstanding value, you can't go wrong at the fine store in your community that sells Clippercraft clothes. We planned it that way a long time ago. Your local independent store is part of the remarkable Clippercraft plan, the plan that concentrates the buying power of 1036 of the nation's greatest stores from coast to coast. That's why you can buy beautifully tailored suits at only $40 and $45, handsome tropicals at only $33.75 to $40, and sport jackets at only $26.50. Yes, selling expensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. And remember, that's one of the 1,036 leading retail stores across the nation, where courtesy and friendly service are always yours. The store that is proud to add its fine name to that of Clippercraft Clothes in the label of your suit, top coat, sport jacket, and tropical. And remember also, not every pattern is always available in your size, but keep on trying. It will pay you to wait for Clippercraft Clothes. <laughs> Now back to the little railway station at Upper Tottingham. Holmes has just arrived on the platform with the local constable and two men carrying a heavy pine box. Thank you, constable. Have the men put it there. Yes, sir. Hey there, lads. Put the coffin there on the platform so Mr. Sherlock Holmes can take it up to London by the next train. Right. Easy now, Robert. That's it. Uh, it do seem such a pity. You coming down here on purpose to see the poor chap, Mr. Holmes? Worried about something special? One of your cases, perhaps? Uh, nothing like that, I'm afraid, Constable. Just uh, a friend of mine going to uh, show me a piece of property he thought I might be interested in. Then why do you suppose he had to go and get melancholy and do away with himself at a time like that? I'm sure I wouldn't know. I say, uh, would you be good enough to step inside the station and see if you can find my friend, Dr. Watson? With pleasure, Mr. Holmes, sir. What would he look like now? A rather settled sort of chap. Top hat, slight moustache... Getting a bit portly. Oh, yes, he had a flower in his buttonhole. Married man. His wife grows pansies and stuff. Righto, Mr. Holmes. I understand, sir. Wait, the room's empty as my pocket. Hey, you, station master. I say, Pennyfield. What you want now? I'm busy counting up before the night man comes on. Have you seen a fat man about top hat with a pansy in his buttonhole? I have that. Said he was a doctor. Said he'd been to see the man they killed. Told me all about it. Nasty accident it must have been. Well, it weren't nice. Yes, must have been right unpleasant. He acted like it had turned his stomach. So I told him why not have a bit of a lie down over there on the bench by the window. Ah, but the bench is empty. Where's he gone off to? Oh, didn't I tell you? But when the 412 came along, I helped him aboard. He said he'd best be getting back to London. Said to tell his friend Mr. Sherlock Jones not to wait for him. Sherlock Holmes, you ninny. Not Jones. The Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Who's he? The greatest detective in the world, that's all. 
Why, he can deduce your whole life history by looking at your pocket handkerchief. Well, then why don't he come and deduce his friend has gone back to London when he sees me waiting rooms empty? He's got more important things to do. That's why he's taking the victim of today's catastrophe back to London in a pine box. Seems he was an acquaintance. Well, he'll have a bit of a wait. There won't be another train until the 610. Well, I'll go tell him. Right. Mr. Officer. Yes, Constable. It seems your friend Dr. Watson got tired of waiting and went back to London by the 410. Confound it. Why do you suppose he did that? Well, the station master said he looked a bit wonky. Sent word you wasn't to wait for him. That's not like Watson. <laughs> to leave me sitting here alone with a coffin. By the way, how long do I have to wait for the next train up to London? Well, I'm afraid there won't be one along until the 610. That's a bit of a wait, sir. Maybe you'd step down the road and have a dish of tea with me and the missus. She'd be that bucked up to be entertaining Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Um, thank you, Constable, but it's not possible, I'm afraid. Well, why not, sir? You've got a good hour and a half wait. I know, but I can't leave the body. I don't want anything else to happen to it. <laughs> good Lord, what else could happen to it? I don't know, Constable. I don't know. But I have a very definite suspicion that today's adventure isn't finished. <laughs> I must say it's very decent of you to let me ride up here in the luggage van. God, glad you the company, sir. It's lonesome sometimes with nothing but trunks and crates of cabbages and things, roaring away through the countryside at night with no one to talk to. <laughs> sometimes I get to wondering what's in all those boxes. It's good to have someone around, especially when there's a coffin aboard. Yes, I'm afraid I'm not very good company tonight. Oh, I understand, sir. It's not what you might call cheerful, the company and the remains of a friend. I say, the old whistle do sound eerie tonight, don't she? Yes. I always says there's nothing so lonely as a train whistle going along across country after everyone else is safe in bed. <laughs> Excuse me. Was it a close friend of yours, sir? I mean the deceased. No, I knew him unsightly, but I... Well, I felt responsible for him, don't you know? Confounded, I'm the one that suggested he come down to Upper Tottingham. If he hadn't come, he'd probably be alive and well. Now, don't you take on about it, sir. It's fate, that's what it is. I wouldn't have chaps numbers up. Why, it's up, that's all. I was wondering if... if it's, uh, it's a bad cold you've got there. Uh, it's not a cold, sir. It's just that whenever they ship those full cabbages up from London, they makes me sneeze. Aha! Uh -huh. You're probably allergic to cabbages. What's that? A new theory of sensitivity I'm working on. Mark my words, in a few years from now, people will be bragging that they're allergic to all kinds of things. Wait, Scott, aren't there enough plagues in the world now that you scientific chaps have to go and sink up more? Why, time was... As <laughs> it certainly is drafty here. No wonder you get the sniffles. I feel a bit sneezy myself. Here, I'll fix your place out of the breeze. Here, on this crate of cabbages. Between these large trunks. Yes, that's better. More sheltered. I could almost swear... I say, God, you smell something over here. <laughs> no, I suppose that's asking too much with that cold. Yes, sir. With me nose in this condition, I couldn't smell a pig pen if I was standing smack in the middle of it. Mm, pity. What's the trouble, sir? You look worried. That smell, slightly medical, reminds me of my friend. We came down on the train together this morning. Is it the, the body in the coffin? Oh, good Lord, no. Someone I know very well. We lived together for years. If I could only be sure my friend got home safely, I have the strangest foreboding as if my friend were 
Well, trying to tell me something. Ah, that's what happens to a man. Just like me and Emmeline, that's my wife. And when first I met her, everywhere I looked, there was Emmeline. I sees her in the soup. I sees her in the butter. When I go out, when I come in, asleep, awake, there's always her face in front of me. Horrible. Oh, then I liked it, sir. Uh, but by and by we gets married, and now we has five children, three boys and two girls. They all looks like Emmeline. Everywhere I looks, I sees Emmeline eating porridge, swinging in the apple tree, making snoots at me when I says, go to bed now. <laughs> That's what love does to a man. Hmm. My case is not similar, I assure you. I know. You just live with your friend. Believe me, there's very little difference. Believe me, there's a great deal of difference. My friend happens to be a man. A happily married man. With children? No. Oh. I just can't understand why he left me in the middle of an emergency and took the 410 from Upper Tottingham back to London. Ah, people gets notional sometimes. You know... Say, did you say the 410? Yes. From Upper Tottenham? Yes, of course. But that's impossible. Why? Because today's Wednesday, and on Wednesdays, the 410 don't stop at Upper Tottingham. Doesn't stop? What's the next train that does? This one, the one we're on. Upper Tottingham isn't an important stop. Only the locals make it, and not all of those. But then, confounded, what's happened to Watson? Watson? Who's he? My friend, bastard. The one this smell reminds me of. I don't smell nothing. What was that? Sounded like someone smashed a glass. Smell's getting stronger. By Jove, it is iodoform. You're right, sir. Even I can smell it now. Look here. Something's dripping out of this crate of cabbages. It's dark. Maybe it's blood. No, it's the stuff that smells. What's iodoform doing in a lot of cabbages? Here, help me get the top of the crate. But why do don't you... Don't argue. To... Help me, confound it. This crate was put on at Upper Tottingham, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. But I don't see what that's got to do with the price of cheese. I'll show you in a moment. Here comes the lid. Here you are, sir. Nothing but cabbages. Get them out of there. Help me. But I say, sir, you can't go chucking cabbages about like that. But... Glory be, what's that under him? It's a man, all trussed up like a New Year's goose. Give me your knife so I can cut the gag. Right, oh. Easy, Watson. We'll have you out of there in a jiffy. And about time. There I sat listening to you, to you two drivel on about your private lives like, like two schoolgirls. Here, I'll untie my feet. If I hadn't finally managed to smash the iodoform bottle in my pocket, you... You probably never would have found me. Watson, how in heaven's name did you manage to get yourself in this predicament? I discovered young Balcom's glasses smashed in the baggage room at Upper Tottingham. Oh? Holmes, the station master's Professor Moriarty. He's shipping drugs into London in the leaves of those confounded cabbages. I was being sent on to his laboratory. Holmes, he was going to make an experiment on me. Like a guinea pig. Splendid. What's so good about that? Moriarty may have slipped through our fingers again, but thanks to your efforts, Watson, we've discovered the whereabouts of his famous laboratory. How so? Elementary, my dear Watson. It must be the address on this crate. The one you're using as a bed. (laughs) Well, I must say, I don't see anything so funny about it. (laughs) When I was very young, I had a nurse who used to tell me that new babies were found among the cabbages. (laughs) My dear Watson, I never dreamed I'd find you under similar circumstances. Ah. an experience, Dr. Watson. No wonder you don't like cabbages. Yes, I, I did equip myself rather well under the circumstances, don't you think so, Mr. Harris? Oh, brilliantly, Dr. Watson, brilliantly. 
And now, do you think you could be persuaded to give us a hint about next week's story? Next week, I think I'll tell you how Holmes rescued a young lady of quality, very much against her will, I may say, and how it was managed with the help of a priceless Ming saucer and another <clears throat> lady who was not above throwing vitriol. The makers of Clippercraft Clothes and 1036 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Ockren with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next Sunday to Sherlock Holmes in the adventure of the illustrious client. This is Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.